Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hi everyone, Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com. Welcome to another episode of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. So today we have the most awesome, amazing special guest. We have Sina Block. Sina Block created the Time and Space Style Inventory that I've been reviewing over the last three weeks. And I was doing all the things around space and this will be in between before the time, which is amazing. So her timing is just completely perfect. So Sina is the productivity guru on a mission to help professional women and entrepreneurs with ADHD who struggle to manage it all, align, and live productively balanced. She's a business consultant, author, trainer, and master facilitator. She's the founder of SaneSpaces.com and creator of the Time and Space Style Inventory. As a business coach and consultant, her programs support professional women with ADHD and mompreneurs who juggle it all so that they can thrive. You can find her on most social sites or contact her directly at Sina at SaneSpaces.com. So here we are, Sina. Woohoo! Okay, how many years? Have we known each other? Is it like six, seven? I'm thinking closer to 10, my friend, but maybe maybe it's only that. I, I was wondering. I've been trying to go back in time. to It's when been a lifetime, at least. I'm sure we've had like previous lifetimes, but that's a whole other topic. Well, that's, that's a whole other series outside of an uncluttered office. That's How do productively in a previous lifetime? Exactly. I don't, <laughs> I don't know about you. I think I was very much disorganized until about the age of, 49. Okay. So I came to all this later. It's about when it hits. A lot of my sweet spot, like my clients come to me in their 40s. It's 40s to honestly, my believe it or not, my oldest client ever was 94. And I do have a client right now who's 72. That's fantastic. Both women and both late, you know, never diagnosed because it didn't exist way back when. Right. But not that it didn't exist. It's just, we didn't have words to explain it or talk about it. So yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so first I think I want to talk about the whole mompreneur piece, then we'll do the whole ADD piece. So great. Thanks for that great intro, by the way. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I'm so psyched you're on with me today. So you started your business. I was reading through your long version bio. Uh, <sighs> you're a mom and you um, have always championed women and the work-life balance and moms. And so I know now your kids are grown and I actually see this. I think I've known you almost a decade. Of course, mostly following your kids on Facebook, seeing you guys hiking, doing school plays, all kinds of fun things. And they've really grown up into fine young men. So what, you're welcome. 
So what strategies did you use to balance your work and your parenting? And how did you manage all that? Because it's a lot. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, when it happened, I never would have thought this, but I think one of the most fortunate things to happen to me was that I had, I lost my job when my kids were kind of young and I was a person who was highly motivated by success and highly motivated by my career. I loved my career in in, uh, training and in HR. And I felt there, I was in, in the wireless industry when it was really just booming. So it was really easy to get caught up in, in my career, but I was also very committed as a, a mom and as a nursing mom. And so my oldest now will be 24 and my youngest now will be 20. So ratchet back 20 years and uh, imagine what life was like when we traveled previous to 9-11 in this country where you know I was a nursing mom and I felt very, very strongly that I didn't want my career to interrupt, you know, interrupt the kind of mom I wanted to be. And so, you know, I carried around my breast pump, traveled with my kids, paid for my mom to come with me, and sometimes even my friends to come with me to babysit. So I think I think overall the overarching thing was I was I was actually a mom first. And I think from that my values were always in that place. And and I know that my shift came when I felt that really heavy clash between professional mom or professional and mom. And um, I couldn't really reconcile it. And it didn't take long before things changed enough to allow me time to step away from who I had, who I was being and who I would, you know, eventually become. We're always in that state of becoming, but you really can only see that in my experience in hindsight. You don't see it when it's right in front of you. You just do the best you can and make decisions with uncertainty. And for some of us, uncertainty is a little scarier than others. So... Yeah, we we made the decision that I would stay home the first two years of our daughter's life. But I was career transitioning. So I was going to school during the first two years of her life and then went back and worked part time uh, for several years before going out on my own. And I'm glad I made that decision. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, It was not the easiest economic decision. But it was definitely what worked best for our family. And I think it's really key that I say that. I never want moms who decided to go back to work immediately to ever feel like I'm judgmental. On the contrary, there were times I definitely wanted to be back at work. And then there were other times where I was so glad I was able to do that. And there are certainly moms out there now who are not working at all. They're, and oh, please, Motherhood is a full-time job, so far be it for me to say they're not working at all. They're not working a traditional nine-to-five job because they're busy parenting with kids. And I see that a lot, especially with moms who have three and four kids. I I see how busy it is for me with one. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine, you know, working plus three or four kids. You really would have to have a full-time nanny to be able to do it because it's a lot in the best of all possible ways. Yeah, it's a lot, but I think, you know, we've lived through this, this arc. We've been on the, we've been kind of on the crest of the wave, uh, you know, with our careers, we're same age and, and um, your, your daughter's a little younger. So you start a little bit later than I did, but which sometimes I think is harder actually, because you have to make changes later on after you're used to not having her for a little bit, <laughs> Right. but yeah. Yeah, it's it's no easy feat. I think I I I, I still see it happening. I I really 
I, I had the opportunity to go visit my mom's and dad's uh, home places this past weekend. And I went uh, to their to their place. And my mom grew up on a farm after the Depression with eight children and no father. Oh, and I, I think about her roots and my ancestry, my family roots. And I think about, you know, I don't know that anybody has an easy time. I think we all have our childhood narrative and we all have our, our uh, you know, we are a result of what comes before us. And so, you know, I, I believe our kids grew up with a lot. And I see even in my adult children now, their very staunch desire to live more simplistically. It's almost like the pendulum's going back, you know, back to where it was from from before. So it's it's just interesting. I think we all have we all have different things that we are given to um, come through in in our human experience, and we make the best decisions we can. So I I'm I'm a hundred percent with you that I would never judge anyone about what they choose to do. If I don't know though that I really am so thankful that I had the uh, the choice, and that's really what I prayed for when I didn't because I was the one who was more responsible in my career. I right. had you know. So I, I kind of got what I wanted, didn't know how it would be delivered and really honestly didn't know what I wanted, but starting your own businesses, I, you know, I tend to minimize things like this, you know, I can do it. And, um, it, it certainly has been waves of challenging, you know, you and I have not been strangers to each of our challenges and, and um, difficulties. It's funny you mention. um, your sons, who I believe are Gen Z, like my daughter, who is 14. She's always had tons of stuff. And this summer, she decided she's a teen now, and her room was no longer going to be a lovely shade of lavender. It was going to be white with plants and sort of gray woods and very, very minimalistic. Not my socks off. <laughs> but it's fun to see them change and see how they're influenced. So as I've been getting the house more organized, she's getting more organized. Mm -hmm. And no amount of nagging is ever going to work unless we model what we do. So as you know, my story, which was that I had cancer, I was diagnosed at age 49. And I really nearly had to shut down my business. It was Mm -hmm. hanging on by a thread because treatments take so much time. And my passion, of course was around being able to help other people not ever have to worry about that when the time came, that they would have systems in place. And I know that's a lot of what you're doing. So I'll actually transition now over to the whole ADD thing and say, I have executive functioning disorder. Mm-hmm. So, which is sort of, if I understand it, and I'm no doctor, mm-hmm. uh, executive functioning disorder is sort of the top umbrella. And then ADD slash ADHD is one of the pieces that can be under executive functioning disorder. So mine's not officially diagnosed. I really discovered it because my daughter has it. We discovered it with her first. And I've realized that I've had to do certain things in my life to manage it and didn't even realize I was doing them. So for example, the only way I'm going to pay my bills is to have something come up my calendar say, pay bills. (laughs) So twice a month, you know, on the, I'm going to make it up eighth of the month. And on the 20th of the month, a little thing pops up in my calendar. And I know I've got to pay all the bills that are due by the first. Um, actually, some of them are actually due around the 27th. So by having it come up on the 21st or so, I'm on time for paying all my bills. 
uh, I live and die by my calendar. So I would love it because you have some serious learning background in ADD and ADHD coaching and consulting. What are some of the challenges you see that are kind of unique to folks like me? Well, thanks for sharing that. I kind of feel like I'm undiagnosed as well. One of the things that we know about AD, and it's like officially called ADHD now, and I think about the H meaning hyperactivity, and it doesn't mean that your body is hyperactive or you're restless. What it actually means is that your brain is stimulated in many places at the same time. So while we could be having a conversation right now, I'm aware that a storm might be coming, the wind is blowing, uh, is the light glaring, like all these things are going on in my head at the same time. And so officially, it's been, it's been called attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It's a chronic condition that affects millions of children and adults, conti- often continues into adulthood. Sometimes uh, symptoms shift, for instance, but it's known by three different subtypes. One is prominently uh, inattentive. Mm. One is predominantly hyperactive or slash impulsive. Mm. So, and then the other is combined. So that gives us a whole lot of nothing because what it basically says is that if you find yourself relatively inattentive, and these are some of the, you know, these are some of the things that you notice, you fail to pay attention, you forgetful, have trouble focusing, may really struggle with organizing, uh, be very distracted. Those are typical of the inattention subtype. If you find fidgety, and this is the one that always gets kids in trouble, which is why it shows up as a kid's difficulty because they're fidgety. They can't sit still. They're on the go, constant motion, have to get you climbing on furniture, doing inappropriate things, not recognizing boundaries, interrupting, not necessarily. Their brain is just moving at this direction and they blurt things out or interrupt their not necessarily aware of um, how that's going. Or, you know, it could be a combination of those things. And, you know, most healthy children have struggles with inattentiveness and also struggles with hyperactivity. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not easy necessarily, but if you have lifetime struggles and you find that some of these symptoms show up for you, that it's very likely that you need to, to deal with yourself in different ways. And the biggest thing that I work on with people, especially in our early stages of working together, is really just building awareness around how you and your uh, condition, let's say, show up. Like, you know, very specifically that you must have an auditory and visual reminder that is timed and that is not a part of your conscious executive functioning, but reminds you. And, and at that point, you can then respond in an appropriate way to chunk out some time to pay those bills. And what's really great about the environment that we have with bells and whistles and hoots and tones and, t- you know, we can plan those reminders. Mm-hmm as long as we have a plan. (laughs) And a lot of people with ADHD or executive functioning disorder don't get time the way people who might be neurotypical do. So they can't hold in their brain the future and they can't hold in their brain the past. 
So that's why reminders and bells and whistles work. But oftentimes with people with ADHD, what happens is a lot of misses, a lot of missed appointments, a lot of fails. And that starts what I call the runaway train narrative in the brain. And it hooks right into the shame vortex that I don't know if many of your listeners are familiar with Brene Brown, but if it starts to trigger that shame cycle, then we have a lot of, you know, untethering to do and uncoupling to do from a coach and a client standpoint, because that narrative of I'm not good enough, I failed, I'll never do this, I can't, I don't, that is completely entangled with conditions and symptoms of what shows up. Right. And then it can trigger things that I see sometimes happen. And I know it happens even for myself. Uh, if someone's dealing with PTSD or an anxiety, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder or anxiety, now that all gets triggered because now they're feeling that shame spiral. So it's pretty intense. So a tool you created that I think is amazing is this TSSI, time and space style inventory. and like I said earlier, I've already gone through the three parts of time. By the way, the last one was straighteners and no rules. And I called it angels and rebels. Which oh, I all right. That's get a, awesome. Get a big chuckle out of. Yeah. So I'd love to sort of hear the, the, the 60,000 you know, foot overview. You know, uh-huh. What inspired you to create TSSI? Great. So the time space style inventory, which is kind of hard to name, but... <laughs> My background is in human resources and training. So I was, um, at a time in my career, the manager of management training and leadership training for a a big wireless industry. So I was in the throes of building a competency structure and all that stuff for, for the company that I worked for. So when all that ended and I moved to the country, into the Pocono Mountains and all that happened... I decided I was going to launch an organizing business. And I started with my own framework, my own mindset of whenever you're teaching people about organizing and time, or in my in mindset, if you're teaching about, you know, giving employee feedback or documenting bad performance or delegating, you bring people into a room in training. This was 20 years ago. People got into a room and then you gave them an assessment. And it was here are the skills and talents and things that you are that we know subject matter experts in these areas have. Where are you? Right. Where do you measure up? In other words, you do a giant assessment or analysis. And what we called that in the industry was like a gap analysis or a mm. skills analysis. You know, you want to look at what skills and abilities are there and then only address the ones that need to be recognized and, 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 and tweaked. When I showed up as an organizer, after a lot of change in my life, I was looking for the tool to help people. And as I think Jack Canfield says, you know, if you're looking for something, you're looking for something, you're looking for something, you can't find it. It's probably the call that you need to design it. And Mm. so that's what started me on that journey is I've got to figure out a way to, in my mind, give people... This is all coming from one of my, you know, core beliefs, which is be who you are. And in being who you are and accepting who you are, you can do great things. But don't try to be everybody else. So who are you? Like that begs the question, who are you and how are you wired up? And what's significant about you? 
And what are your blind spots? And what are some of the things that maybe are getting in your way? And that's what led me to the Time and Space Style Inventory. And I found a cohort, an original author, a foremother of the organizing industry. Her name was Sunny Schlanger. And she had this book, How to Be Organized in Spite of Yourself. And she had a prime, a primary kind of quiz about different styles. And I sent her an email and I said, I, I really like your work and I really think that it needs to step into the next generation how it is now. It was it was originally uh, released in the early 80s and some of her stuff was uh, diversity unaware language. Uh, you know, the world was smaller. <laughs> and so I basically traveled around to work with her, met her in person several times and, and then uh, gave birth to, you know, what we call the, the time and space styling now and and really worked on kind of the competency model behind the time and space style inventory you know what what are the what are the skills and competencies behind it and what are the preferences all about how you arrange things how you make decisions um, how, how you prioritize those were what the equivalents were in competencies so I approached it in that way and kind of came up with really specific behaviors that played out. And then when I tested it through hundreds and by now thousands, I can't say tens of thousands yet, but thousands and thousands of people have gone through this. And, and my favorite thing is once they get their style preference results, they say, it's me. Yeah. And that's, that, that's perfect information. And what I wanted to do was, it's really like a mirror. Okay, so if this is how I'm wired up, how can I be successful? Not how can I change? How can I shift? How can I be like that person over there? How can I be minimalist? No, if I have a real strong saver preference or I have nothing out preferences or everything out preferences, how can I make my own natural preferences work for me? And that's, that's what it is. That's what the time space style inventory is, is all about is be who you are and do your best and try to get rid of the barriers and boundaries that are, you know, maybe in the way that are really easy to fix with systems, spaces, support, and better time management tools. Yep. Um, it's interesting you say that because I think I've had, I don't know how many at this point, maybe 10 clients take the test. And of them, nine out of 10 said, amazing, totally can see it. And one out of 10 said, this doesn't fit me at all. And and I looked at that person's face and thought, actually it does. (laughs) But I didn't say it. Because well, that- you know what's so cool about it is that, and this this is this is I'm really thankful for my background in in behavioral science, basically, but the interesting thing about it is I really tried to purify the questions and the definitions so that it was not judgmental. However, I can't purify what you walk in with in terms of your ideas of certain things and your predisposition for certain words. For instance, you know, if you if you answer those questions how you think you should answer, you're going to get different results than how if you answer them how you are. Right. I agree. So like I'm mostly an everything out, but between T 
TSSI and other systems, you know, I'm a part of Productive Environment Network, I've been able to be more towards middle and I've learned how to deal with my preferences for space. So for example, I have traditional filing systems and I use a traditional uh, method that was taught by Barbara Hempel, uh, who I know you know very well. And uh, actually, I would say it's kind of non-traditional. She's pretty, she's pretty darn cutting edge of that, Barbara. But that's how I've got my files put away. But the fact is that I still have things out on my desk because that helps me feel the natural inclination towards my everything out. But they're organized. So it's not just stacks of piles on my desk anymore. In fact, there's exactly one paper on my desk, and it's the one you know we're discussing now. And the rest of it's either in inboxes or outboxes or in a tickler file. And for those who don't know what a tickler file is, that's where you have the days of the month and then the months so that you can put any events that are coming up in there. Uh, by the way, that's really pretty much where I do my bills from is in the tickler file. And not much else because everything else for me is online. So all these systems can be worked not only in your physical data, they can also be in your computer data, which is really pretty neat. And that leads me to the next question. How do you declutter your digital data? Mm. This is a question I get all the time. I'd love, you know, your favorite strategy. Uh, My favorite strategy is start with a TSSI and figure out what you like. Second, Second strategy is to match your file constructs with your mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I started my business as an organizer, I worked with a lot of different people in, in business, small businesses and in offices. And I worked for a carpenter who was fantastic, artistic, lovely, high-end work. But he was not connected to memorizing people's names. In fact, he could barely memorize people's names. He named his clients based on attributes like blondie or tall guy or gruff. <laughs> and so, and that's who they were to him. Mm-hmm. And I gave him, per- and he could never manage files. He could never find anything. Nothing was ever together because he couldn't remember people's names. So oh. I gave him permission to actually name his files what his brain named them and categorize them as. And wouldn't you know, that one distinction of naming files like your brain works was consistent enough that he could find it. Another thing with digital files is, you know, it... It's a giant universe of digital files. The world has allowed us to keep way too much crap. Yep. need all the files that we have. So basic good old file management, only keep what you may need to retrieve in the future to use. And the other piece of digital information is that nearly everything now that is digital is findable again. So unless you need it for now or the next three years for taxes or any other way, then you need to really seriously consider whether to keep it. Another thing that I always use with people is don't rabbit hole information. Keep things in broader categories because search functions are so strong that you have to rethink how to find things, which your search function will find it for you as long as you keep your categories broad enough. You know, if you don't believe me, learn how SEO works and Google and everything else. Everyone is searching these days based on how they name things. So keeping your categories broad enough will get you in the right ballpark and you'll be able to find things. 
So there, we're still, you know, crossing the, the divide between generations here. I think we're kind of at the tail end of I need it on paper and we have to have paper files. And, and, you know, my kids don't want barely anything to do with paper. When they get paper, they literally don't know what to do with it. They don't want it. They'd rather take a picture of it. But we're, we're trying to manage, you know, what you need at, in paper and what you need digitally. And a lot of that has to come from what makes you comfortable. Only keep information you're going to need to retrieve in the future and need to retrieve it, you know, in the way that works best for you. So I don't know that that's helpful. Oh, one other thing. The purging process is real. And we, I know, Catherine, if you're in, in your late 40s or 50s, we really learned how to put uh, the, we learned data on file trees, on, you know, the DOS file trees. So that construct of how we learned how to categorize information lends itself to us putting things in little rabbit holes that we'll never find, right? Mm. Our kids came through with very robust search functions, very robust overload of information available in a second, now completely all auditory, which is also different. But you have to think about the, really have to think about what comes into your space and what you need to, because everything that you keep, you take some sense of responsibility for. Specifically, I I onboarded my parents at the end of their lives um, and so when I moved them, I knew I had to move their file cabinets because that was their database. Right. And so, you know, I'm at the point now, they've been gone about a year and a half, and I'm at the point now where I can start, you know, let I need to go through that material. It's it's heavy, but I ha- it's got a thumb factor because I have a steel file cabinet. I have papers, I have plans, I have medical stuff, I have you know, their lives. And so that heaviness of that paper and the file cabinet and everything, you need to think about that. That still comes to you when you look at digital overload. It's the same feeling. It, that overwhelming, bleh. So first strategy is manage what comes in. Second strategy is manage what you have. And, and always think about purging when it makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to be taking a little hiatus next week. And my only plan for work is to go through the, I won't say how many thousands of photos on my iPhone. Because hello, lazy. Oh, I can take seven pictures of that because it doesn't cost any money to print them, right? So that's going to be my big thing that I accomplish next week because I keep putting it off because of course other things are happening, clients, et cetera. So I guess I'm going to just wrap up with the last thing being, how do you set yourself up for success on a daily or weekly basis? I know you have tools you use with your clients and I have used them and your, let's see if I can even say it right. Oh goodness. Organize a palooza or something. Gosh, what was it? Say it again. Plan a palooza. Plan a I knew I had it wrong. So You've been I, it like years, several times. I like it's coming it. up again this year. So and it's amazing. I love the plan of palooza because it. I think one thing, and I'm sort of stealing your thunder, and then I'll let you take over. Oh, is that if I set aside once every three months my goals for the next ninety days, 
whether that's through Planapalooza or me just sitting down and freaking doing it, following the Planapalooza model, then I know where I'm going next. I think we've moved away, at least in entrepreneur world and, and maybe also in corporate world, from one-year goals to really 90-day goals because they're much more achievable. You can see they're being done. So I'm going to let you either continue that thought or run a whole different direction. I'll stay there. Um, one of the things of being a working mom, and, and this, is, this is a juxtaposition, is that I like to think about your goals as kind of um, uh, like flow, like a landscape or like fabric, like it, it moves in a certain direction. You have certain times of year where there's going to be a lot of productivity, certain times where you're going to have none, because that's those are the times when, you know, life is going to take over or your momming is going to be more, you know, relevant. Catherine, you've, you've lived through a very challenging physical, you know, coming through cancer and healing yourself from cancer. That was your main goal. And, and you have a business today because you kept, kept it plugged in. You kept the lights on just enough so that you could regenerate it. Same with me. When I took on, you know, my parents, like everything in my business stopped. So when I, one of the things that I think you need to give yourself permission for <laughs> to do as a working parent especially if you're in business for yourself, is to understand that seasonality, you know, for every time and season, there's a, there's a time. And when you think about planning, think about in the chunks that you can foresee on the horizon. So we do plan a Palooza yearly, which gives you a quarterly look at some targets. But also I'm a big advocate for planning your week and then identifying your top two or three things in the day. Today, this was one of my top things. You know, I wanted to make sure it's ready. I want, you know, and, and I, my son's moving out to grad school tomorrow and things are busy in my house. And there are only certain cornerstones that I can hit on certain days. And I've learned how to unplug from, I need to do it all. I need to do it all. I have to have this. I have it. And just create this space. There's a relaunch my business and it was keep control of my schedule so that I could decide. But most of us who do this, most of us who do this are high performers. We are used to hitting it out of the ballpark every time we get up to, you know, up to bat. So it's a, it's a mind game. It's a mindset game and figuring out your flow that works for your family, your life. You know, I have clients who are homeschooling five kids, running a business, living on a farm, and building an addition, like, the, <laughs> hello? <laughs> Major life changes all at the same time. <laughs> That's not normal, okay? Like, there's a lot of people who would never even be able to do one of those things well. So a lot of times, and, and this is one of the beauties of coaching with people, is that just to remind people, you're really extraordinary. And you're really above the bar. So give yourself a break once in a while. Think about your time as elastic and unplug from the shame. Right. I tell you, I, um, I'm a big believer now in saying, give yourself some grace. Oh, a million. That's beautiful. I love that. No, thank you. And I just, you know, I, I start every single day. All right. That's not entirely true. I start at least six days a week. I walk in the morning and I do a power walk or I do an exercise routine and I do my thing first Amen. before everyone else. Now that might mean I'm up at 5.30 a.m. before everyone else is. But, and I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you find this too. If, if you do that, 
You've already been wildly successful at something, right? Taking care of yourself. So that sets a great tone for the day. You've had an opportunity to see how grateful you are for things. And then when the day goes by and stuff comes up and suddenly you're picking up your child and you thought someone else was and et cetera, you know the drill. It's less painful because it's like I put my oxygen mask on first. I took care of me first. How long did it take you to get that? Uh, I had to get cancer. And so this is why, this is why I don't want people to have to get a life-threatening illness. And maybe mine wasn't life-threatening, but God, it felt like it at the time. Cancer is life-threatening, love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to to get the wake-up call that I have to take care of myself first and that I have to set up systems so that things can continue on and, and, and to talk to people like Sina and other people in my life who build women up, who care, who can then say, Hey, what if you look at this? What if you try my TSSI? Well, now TSSI time space style inventory is a major tool I use in my business to help other clients. That's like a gift. Thank you. It's wonderful. It is. Yes. So that's a great way to wrap up. How about you tell us how to find you? Well, you can go to sanespaces.com. Sane, like not insane, but sane. I, I never realized how hard that was going to be until I had to like start telling people online or over the phone. But sane, not insane, sanespaces.com or cenablock.com. Uh, and I'm kind of everywhere. I'm not really, I really haven't figured out how to leap into Instagram very well. I'm pretty much LinkedIn and Facebook socially and Twitter, but have kind of pulled away from Twitter as it's gotten a little more crazy over the past four years, three years. Um, that I, I can't remember the last time I was very involved in Twitter. Very involved in Instagram because, you know, in a way we have visual businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, definitely you. As a coach, I'm, it's not as, that's why I can't figure it out. Well, and you know, I'm doing consulting, so B2B. And oh. so it's a little of both, but there's definitely an element of helping people when you're setting up a productive environment, you're changing their physical space. And people want to see it. <laughs> Yeah. I want to see it. I'm always interested. What's your house look like? Yeah. <laughs> What's your office look like? Yeah. So, oh, you know, you, you, had, had, I you, had, put, you had mentioned something earlier about virtual organizing. I, I'm actually doing virtual organizing right now with a few clients and I'm offering it as a package. So I do, I still do do it. They have to be a client that kind of fits into the DIY capabilities. Um, right. Because a lot of people feel like they can do it. And, you know, they're the ones that have 50,000 organizing books on their shelves, but are not organized. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes that character, there's probably something else on board there that they're not necessarily aware of. But yeah, virtual organizing is is, is coming up and it's a lot less expensive than it is to, to work with somebody, you know, one-on-one in your space. And it's great if you're a DIY person, you know, my, my typical... Um, sessions are six. It's a package of six. And we start with a, you know, walkthrough and everything is done like this online. So I can see the space, we can talk about it, they can work on it, come back next week and have small um, segments. So it's, you know, if, if people are struggling with chronic disorganization or brain-based conditions and stuff like that, those are going to be different. But neurotypical, um, even ADHD people who are highly motivated and are, are really working hard to make their environments work, it's a really nice medium place to meet and, and a lot less of an investment with a big payoff. It's, um, and I, and I love doing the virtual as well. It's really where I'm moving my whole model, not just necessarily organizing, 
in offices, yes, but outside of offices, no. So I'm not helping anyone with their basement. But what's interesting is the accountability piece. So you're talking about folks who are struggling to get it done. They have all the books. What they're really looking for is, can you just make sure I get it done? You know, JFDI, let's just sit down in that 30 minutes or whatever the amount of time is and physically go through it. And and so much of what we do in our businesses is hand-holding. It's really helping people, one, acknowledge who they are and that it's okay to be who they are. And then two, helping them with the process. Yeah. And it's awesome. What what I notice most specifically about it is that it is indicative of the fact that so many of us working moms are probably at the top of the heap, are forced to be emotionally and cognitively in several hundred places at one time. And I'm not kidding. And, you know, if I could rattle off all the pieces that were happening for me today and what what coaching provides and this is what i say or you know any kind of consulting is that it's kind of like that cone right <laughs> that cone of space where you can just exhale mm-hmm. and inhale and slow down so it and and you know the hallmark of coaching and consulting is setting goals reporting back and creating action that has mm-hmm. been stagnant or stuck. And that's, you know, that's how you move forward. And everybody wants, you know, everything solved. And the best way that I've learned to solve everything is with my magic wand that my kids made me. Here's my magic wand <laughs> that they made from a blueberry bush. This is my favorite way to solve problems right now is that, you know, my magic wand works, but really at the end of the day, after we cast our magic spell, we still have to do the work and the work happens in baby steps. Unquestionably. So folks will baby step over to your site, which I'm going to say again, sanespaces.com or is it sinablock.com? Um, that'll root to sanespaces.com. I haven't built right. that out yet. I have similar. And I will be sure to put that in the show, no- show notes. Thanks. And I can't tell you how much I loved catching up with you, hearing all your brilliance around, oh my gosh, everything from TSSI to ADHD to how you balance it as a mom. Thanks, Thanks so much. Love you. Thank you, you so much. Be well, Sina. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.